Susan McGuire, Senior Editor of Collection Management and Library Outreach here at Booklist, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, hey Susan, it's not time for another episode of Shelf Care the Podcast yet. Well, you're right. Bye! No, wait, hold on. This is a very special bonus episode, a little shorter than the usual, focused on one interview with one groovy person. This very special episode of Shelf Care the Podcast was inspired by the American Library Association Annual Conference, which was held this year in Washington, D.C. Those of you who regularly attend ALA Annual know that every year, Booklist hosts a read and rave on the last day of the conference. For those of you who have not been so hashtag blessed, let me explain. It all begins with four or five of our leading reader's advisory librarians and book experts scouring the exhibit hall floor on the lookout for the books that are coming out in the next few months, whether from major publishers or tiny micropresses. Then our experts convene in front of an audience and basically rave about the books that they have found. But not just any books. No. Each raver highlights books that they are excited about, either because it's their particular bailiwick, it's a new treatment of a trendy trope, it's an interesting or rarely covered topic, or they think patrons will be hearing a lot about the book, so you, the librarian, should probably know about the book too. Often, it's a combination of these things. The folks in the audience are then armed with this information and are able to anticipate the collection development and readers' advisory needs of their library, And it's kind of like magic, if by magic you mean smart people talking about books to an audience of people who know what to do with information about books, which of course is exactly what I mean when I say magic. Many of you know Rebecca Vanuck as my predecessor here at Booklist. She put together the very first Read and Rave, but now she's the executive director of Library Reads, which feels like a natural progression, since Library Reads is dedicated to discovering and disseminating the books librarians are most excited about each month. They know which books these are because there is a delightfully democratic process in place, and anyone who works in a public library can vote. You can go to librarireads.org for more information on how to do that. In the meantime, Rebecca came to visit her old stomping grounds, a.k.a. my current office, and we talked a little bit about the origins of the Read and Rave, what makes a book a good pick for a Read and Rave, and how folks can get involved with library reads. Then we got real fancy and did a little Read and Rave of our own. As always, all the titles mentioned will be in the show notes on booklistonline.com shelf-care. I'll also include links to this year's list of Read and Rave titles and to the Library Reads website. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Susan. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. And I'm especially glad that you're joining me because you weren't able to join us at the Read and Rave at Annual this year. So you started this whole thing. Can you talk about why you did that, what went into doing that. Absolutely. What were you thinking? What was I thinking? I had to give the credit to Library Journal because they do the shout and share at Book Expo every year. And I started to go, I started going to that in, I don't know, let's say 2010 for fun. Maybe it was 2012. It was a long time ago, right? Um, And they, uh, it was very cool. I remember I'm sitting in the audience and there are six librarians up on the stage and they are talking about books. And I thought, this is so much fun. Like, what a cool concept, asking people who know books and who love books what their favorite upcoming books are going to be. Like, so cool. And the whole gist of it, as people should know, 
um, is that these are folks who are finding stuff at Book Expo, or in, in Reed and Rave's case, at Annual, um, on the show floor, out in the exhibit hall, and then talking about them so you know like what was being presented and what was cool. And so I thought to myself... Well, you know, not a lot of librarians get to go to BEA every yeah. year. So what about these poor folks that miss this? Let's, I think, Booklist should do something just like it. So um, imitation is the most sincere form of flattery, I yes. believe the old saying goes. And I don't know if you knew this, but um, our very own Donna Seaman did the Shout and Share this year. Yes, yes, she did. She did a wonderful job. Of course you know that. Well. Yeah, I did know that. I, I was, was there. there. Okay. I was there. You talked a little bit about how people pick the titles they're going to rave about mm-hmm. um, based on kind of what they see on the floor. Do you, so as both a raver, a read and raver, and, you know, as someone who's organized it, what do you look for in a book? So here's the thing. I think everybody who appears on a read and rave panel probably approaches it differently. Yeah. I have the luxury of not working at a library so I don't have an audience in mind I'm looking for books just for myself Mm -hmm. so I tend to rave about stuff that I like personally that I found that I wanted to read and that's why I think you know you do such a wonderful job picking a variety of people to be on that panel so you've got folks from big libraries and folks from small libraries and folks from different kinds of libraries because they're also looking um, what are my patrons going to be interested in? Mm-hmm. What do I need to come back to work with and be ready to buzz about and yeah. that sort of thing? And that is definitely where the library marketing teams come in handy because they're the ones, um, you know, you can find out how many anticipated copies there's going to be published and what kind of push they're giving it and mm-hmm. where they're marketing it and, you know, what the buzz behind it is. Um, so definitely all of that kind of comes into play. And yeah. I know several of the people who have appeared both at Shout and Share and Read and Rave before um, really make it their mission. Uh, Becky Spratford is good at this. Katie Stover is good at this. Mm-hmm. They want to find those small presses that maybe everybody hasn't already heard about some of these books before. So they yeah. do a great job. And I know like Katie's big on finding graphic novels to talk about mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So yeah, and I think that's a good uh, sort of summary of like what a reader's advisory librarian and, and a collection development librarian has to do. So right. you have the books that patrons are knowing about because mm-hmm. the publishers have big marketing budgets, but then you also know the smaller things that they haven't heard about. Yes, yes. And like you can really be a good conduit for that, which is what's kind of awesome. Yeah, so when you first started this, well, I guess I'm going to talk about myself before I ask you Go this for question. It. <laughs> when I um, was first doing Reader's Advisory, the idea of like having to learn about books before they even came out was panic-inducing. Daunting. <laughs> yeah. So is that something that you have dealt with? And do you have any tips for keeping our cool? Keeping fresh? <laughs> well, so, you know, it's interesting that you say that because if I can sort of like move into my role at Library Reads. Yes, please like, So that is what Library Reads is all about, right? Yeah. We are, our list is all pre-pub and we are very surprised when we do, you know, we'll go to different conferences and we're trying to do more regional and state stuff in the, in the next few years. And we talk to people who are not familiar with a lot of this stuff, or mm-hmm. maybe people who don't get to go to annual or midwinter a lot. Yeah. And they don't always realize that all of these galleys are out there for the taking. Right. And we're always kind of surprised when, you know, we have a room full of people and we ask for hands, how many of you already use library reads? Okay. For those of you that don't, do you already get pre-pub galleys or do you, you know, do you belong to Edelweiss or NetGalley? And the number of people that are like, what? So it's the same thing with Read and Rave, right? Like the whole thing is to 
be on top of stuff before it starts buzzing or before it comes out. Um, it is very daunting, but those are the kinds of resources that can really be helpful. You know, yeah. I kind of flipped from knowing, you know, I used to be all about backlist way back in the yeah, day. I had to sure. write a blog about backlist even. And then I totally switched into like, I don't even know what's current right now because I'm too busy thinking yeah. about what's coming out in the future. I mean, it does sort of feel like you can only think about one <laughs> thing You can only think about one thing at a time. But <laughs> that's okay right. because there are, there's somebody else who's thinking about the other exactly. thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I thought it would be fun for um, since our recording of the Read and Rave did not go as planned. Yes, welcome to life. Um, I thought it would be fun for us to talk about a couple of books that we're excited about. Yeah. So it's not the same experience as folks would have gotten at annual, but it's better. There no. you go. <laughs> because it's you and me. Because, you know, we're and like... it'll just be a few. <laughs> and we're awesome. We have similar haircuts. The leaders. Right? Um, and um, so I'll make sure all the titles are in the show notes and all the stuff we talked Great. about are in the show notes as usual. So I'm going to let you go first. Okay. So I'm going to start off with one that I've actually talked about before. Um, but one of my favorite books of the summer uh, so far has been Never Have I Ever by Jocelyn Jackson. Uh, that comes out July 30th, I believe, end of July from HarperCollins. And it is, if you've ever read her other Southern women's fiction, yeah, um, it's different and yet sort of the same. It still has okay. that very snarky sense of humor that she's got and it's very Southern. Um, but she gives, this is, a, this is real like psychological suspense, which is a departure for her. Yeah. Some of her books have mystery-ish in them. And but they're still sort of. They're gentle. more funny and yeah. gentle. This one is definitely like high octane psychological thriller. So in a nutshell, it is this woman, Amy, who runs, um, she kind of lives a very bland suburban life and she runs a book club. And one night, a mysterious newcomer to the neighborhood knocks on the door to attend book club. And she's like, great, someone to spice up. This is, I'm, I'm happy to have a new person here. Like, this has been so boring. Well, she's not happy when she realizes that this person knows about secrets in her okay. Amy's past and is hell-bent on destroying her present. So um, one of the things I love the most about it, this is not a spoiler. I will not give any spoilers. Um, it ended the way I want things to end. Let's just put it that way. There are so many books that don't end the way that I'm like, why didn't you do X? And this okay. one, she did it. She went for it. So I was very happy. So yay. It was very good. Okay, I'm going to talk about a book that's the opposite. It's by Randall Monroe who some people might know from other big science books called What If, Thing Explainer. They all both have long subtitles that I don't remember. <laughs> anyway, it's coming in September from Riverhead, early September. This one's called How To, Absurd Scientific Advice for Common Real World Problems. And Randall Monroe yeah, is very fun. fun. Uh, a lot of folks, even if you're not aware that you're familiar with his work, when you see his stick figure drawings, you will say, I know that from the internet. He publishes a webcomic called XKCD. And so in this one, this is a how-to manual, but like on drugs, but in a fun way. Um, so he's the first one is like, how, how do you throw a pool party? And he starts out, you know, talking about get a pool. And then like it eventually, he eventually gives you instructions on how deep uh how deep your wall of cheese needs to be to contain that like it's really it's oh fun. it is absurd it's a lot of fun and i the I thing see. i yeah the thing i like about it is that um well there's a lot i like about it it's very funny it the science goes totally over my head but i don't care because it's nerdy and funny 
Um, and it's really good for a lot of different ages. I think if you have like um, older kids or teens who are sciencey, then um, they'll be into it. Like it's one of those books where people think they aren't going to enjoy a science book. Then you can be like, what no. about this? Yeah. All right. What else you got? Okay. So I also, let's, well, you know what? I'll match your nonfiction with some nonfiction. Yes. And I don't really read a lot of nonfiction. So um, one of the books I'm really anticipating for this fall is Motherhood So White by Nefertiti Austin. And that's coming out at the end of September from Sourcebooks. And I had the pleasure of getting to interview Ms. Austin uh, at Book Expo. She was one of our panelists for our librarian dinner event that yeah. we did at Book Expo. And just listening to her talk, I was like, okay, I'm so grateful to have a copy of this in my hands that night. And I'm going to take it home and read it and be just wowed. And I um, am a mother, so I have two young sons. And we are very fortunate and privileged that we are white and we live in a middle class suburb and nobody bothers us. Right. And so um, I really was like, I this was her book is very important. She talks about, you know, what it's like to bring up black boys especially not mm -hmm. just black children but black boys in America today yeah so we all know that's a super charged issue and extremely important and she really has this um really thoughtful writing style and very like you it's conversational and yet it's not terribly informal does that make sense yeah. like she you feel like you're talking to her but you feel like whoa I'm talking to somebody that like knows mm -hmm. stuff like and you listen and you pay attention so I mean you read and you pay attention right. so yeah so I'm really I've been championing championing that book a lot because it's very important and really well done yeah and a lot of there's been a lot of like social justice books related to race that have been really popular with all kinds of patrons and I'm not going to say this is the first one about motherhood but this seems like to really a focus new, it's a, yeah, a it's, unique take on mm -hmm, it so mm -hmm. I, I think that absolutely. will reach a lot of people absolutely even non-mothers yes yes um i don't have a good transition to my <laughs> to my other book but it's um called the giver of stars by jojo moyes she wrote me before you is, is probably what she's best known for it comes out in rocktober from uh pamela dorman viking if you read me before you, you know, it's like this very charming, very emotional, very British story set uh, in contemporary, like a suburb of London, I think. The Giver of Stars is not. It's set in rural Kentucky in the 1800s, I think. Oh, gosh. It's kind of a big departure. It's for a big departure. British style, right? And yeah. um, she is so, like, to me, one of my favorite things about reading her books is the narrative voice. And I also have a deep affection for Appalachia. So I was a little nervous going in what this really British lady was going to sound like talking Appalachian. But it's amazing. You know, the strong narrative voice is still there. Um, it's a story about a woman who moves to this tiny town in the mountains of Kentucky. And um, she becomes a packhorse librarian, which has been sort of a micro trend in women's yes. fiction recently. But as with Jojo Moyes's other books, you know, you've got the really strong characters, you've got strong female friendships. They're really like spitfire and hard scrabble. Those are both words I would use to describe nice. the people in this book. Um, you'll laugh and you'll cry. And it is sort of a sweeping story, but also a very intimate story. And it's just a beautiful thing. Awesome. So, The Giver of Stars, check it out. Awesome.
And you have one more, right? I do have one more if we've got time for one more. Let's do it. So this is one I just turned in last month as a starred review. You'll be seeing it in an upcoming issue of Booklist. Wonderful. Uh, this is The Nanny by Gilly McMillan. Okay. Uh, that comes out September 10th from HarperCollins. And this is more psychological suspense, mm-hmm. uh, but very, very British. And that's what I really liked about it. Um, and it basically, I was like, oh, the nanny. Aren't there like 20 suspense books about nannies like just in the last I year alone? I want to make a friend dress her. Right? So I know. <laughs> That's how she became the nanny. I was singing that the entire time I was reading the book. Um, but no, it's not what you think it is. So it's not about, I was like, oh, it's going to be another one of these books where the husband falls in love with the nanny mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. Or the nanny tries to steal the kids or whatever. And that is not what happens. The nanny actually in this book died and was dumped in the lake 20-something years before. Although, was she? Oh. Who knows? That's kind of the cool thing about it. So we meet this this family that lives on this crumbling English estate. Love it. And the adult daughter comes back home with her own daughter and realizes that, you know, mom is running out of money and, okay, what are we going to do with the family? And, oops, they just dredged the lake and they found this skeleton in there. And she's like, oh, that must be the old nanny that ran away. Although, well, then all of a sudden, the old nanny that ran away knocks on the door and says, hey, I missed you guys. (laughs) So it's all, I can't give away too much more than that. But, so it's super cool. So there are dead people, there are lies, there are skeletons in closets and in lakes. Sure. Um, And nobody, there's... There's not a good character in this book, which I kind of liked that. Like, yeah. everybody's got something rotten at their core. Those unreliable narrators. Yes, they're all unreliable, and I really enjoyed that. So I gave it a starred review, because every time I turned the page, something crazy was happening, and I was like, I can't get enough of this. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming in. Thanks and for, for having me. raving about books. I'm glad we finally got to talk about books we're excited about. Yes. And maybe next year we'll get you on stage at annual uh, I would love with, that. with or without booze. <laughs> Remains uh, yes. to be seen. Uh, maybe I'll throw some airline booze in yeah. the audience. We'll see what happens. All right. Thanks All right. so much. Thank you. Many thanks to Rebecca Vanuk of Library Reads for coming to visit, and thanks to all of you for listening to this very special bonus episode of Booklist Shelf Care, the podcast. Remember that all of the books and relevant links can be found in the show notes on booklistonline.com shelf care, and you could find more information on Library Reads at libraryreads.org. Until next time, this is Susan McGuire signing off from Booklist HQ. Happy reading!